welcome once again to Raging Knitting. This is Chef Rossi of the Raging Skillet in New York City. And welcome to my edible brain. Well, my not-so-edible brain. My brain's not really edible. Well, I suppose it is, but let's not go there. It's kind of disgusting. Rather gross. Now, that's a word I was not allowed to say when I was growing up, by the way. Something would be gross. It would be like saying, oh, that's so gross. My mother would have a coronary because that was her maiden name, Harriet Ruby Gross. Rest in heaven or on an all-you-can-eat salad bar, Mom, wherever you are. But she would always scream, don't say gross. That was a lovely Jewish name. And then they ruined it. They, well, they basically are the same people that ruined hard-boiled eggs. Hard-boiled eggs used to be a lovely thing, and then they ruined it. They ruined hard-boiled eggs by making them Christmas eggs. And they ruined pine trees by making them Christmas trees. And they ruined the name gross by making it gross. You know, sort of a conspiracy of people ruining things for my Hungarian Jewish mother. So, no, we will not, even now I don't say it because I always feel like maybe she'll break through the ceiling and come back and, you know, get mad if I say it. I don't want to tempt the universe in the wrong direction. So I generally say disgusting rather than gross, just to not tick off my mother, you know what I mean? Anyway, so here I am, back in the trenches. It's so hard going back to work after a vacation, isn't it? But especially hard going back to work after a vacation that you largely use to deal with um, a huge loss in your life. And, you know, you're in a deep kind of place and then you have to go back to work. And so the people who are calling, especially as a wedding caterer, for crying out loud, oh my God, people who are calling, they're like, I just have to know what I'm going to be eating in April of 2023, and I have to know right now. And it doesn't matter that it's your first day back from vacation, and it doesn't matter that someone you loved passed away, and it doesn't, none of those things matter, because you were only on this earth as a vehicle to get them what they want. That's kind of what happens in my industry. People get real tunnel vision. And I get it, all right, if I was getting married and I called a caterer, I really wouldn't want to hear that they had a death in the family or that it's their first day back from vacation and they're not really prepared for me. I wouldn't want to hear any of that. I would just want to hear the answers to all the questions I was giving them. So, you know, what can I say? hard to judge when you probably would do the same thing. But if you are listening to this, what I would say is as you go through life, whether you're talking to a caterer or a DJ or ordering food in a diner or buying a car and kind of terrorizing the salesman with a thousand questions, whatever it is that you do, just bear in mind that person has a whole life and a whole bunch of problems and you have no idea what they're going through. They might be sitting there smiling at you and trying to do the best to take care of you 
while they're having terrible heartache or stress or, you know, chazarai. So be nice. And especially lately, because the whole world is understaffed. You go into a restaurant these days, guaranteed they're understaffed. And the staff they have is stressed and overworked. So instead of, you know, kvetching and complaining that your food is five minutes late, look around. Do you see three waiters in a restaurant that should have ten waiters? Do they seem sweaty and stressed and running around, you know? Well, so chill out a little bit. Give them a break. Life is short, and you don't want to spend it being a jerk. You know what I mean? And especially if you call a wedding caterer on a Monday, so you know wedding caterers probably catered weddings all weekend. And if you call your wedding caterer on a Monday and you know that it's her first day back from vacation, you know, just be a little bit chill, you know, and don't ask your questions at the speed of sound. Well, I digress as usual. So I'm back in the trenches and almost immediately had to deal with an astronomical amount of stress and chazarai. Uh, one of my most beloved, maybe, you know, on my top 10 all-time list of most beloved employees just found out that he has to go back to work at his other job because they're kind of holding him hostage for his pension and his health insurance. And so I'm going to lose, at least temporarily, really one of my most beloved co-workers ever and when I found that out I mean I really wanted to cry and you know I love I love the guy you know it's more than that he does a great job it's just a lot of love and so I had to get on the phone and start making phone calls and emails and text messages and ultimately rather than hiring one person I kind of patchworked it and hired like I don't know I lost count, but like five people. One who's available Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. One who's only available a couple of days a week. You know, everyone had a story. And so I hired five, maybe six people to fill the void of this one great person. Interesting, right? And so now I've got my people and I'm, you know, staffed up again. And I can do my weddings and do my food and do all the things I have to do. But what's missing is that lovey-dovey feeling. So if you're lucky enough to have someone working with you or working for you who does a fantastic job, but also who's decent and honest and loyal and who you trust and who you genuinely love, it's irreplaceable. So... What do I have now? I have some new people. One who's a sweet little boy, young guy in his 20s. To me, that's young. And he has a lot of potential and he's fun to be around, but I don't love him. And I have a couple of other new people who have skills and talent, but they don't talk much and I don't love them. So now I don't have to love everyone who works for me, okay? But it sure is nice if you do. Like today, we had a film shoot in the kitchen, and which is kind of an annoying thing in itself. But my beloved Cece, who I have a lot of love for, came in to run the kitchen for the 
film shoot so things wouldn't get messed with too badly. And it was so nice to have her there because I trust her and she's great and smart and talented and I have genuine love for her. And it made me happy to see her and I knew I could leave the kitchen and that nothing bad would happen because she was on the job. That's irreplaceable. So, yes, you know, I guess that means I'm not so professional that I really like to have a lot of love for the people I work with. And sometimes it does blow up in my face because I had someone working for me for years who I should have fired a thousand times over. But I didn't because we were close and friends. And, you know, so I wound up getting sort of abused and used. And um, so there's that too. And I've had more than a few people tell me that I should stop being friends with the people that work for me. But live and learn. I don't know. This is the way I roll. I don't love everyone, but when I do love, I love. And I I really like having someone around who I love. So right now in my kitchen, my new kitchen with the lost of of this great guy, um, I don't really have anyone that I love. And so that feels a little sad to me. And I'm sure it'll grow. I've got new people. So... I think what I have to do is just learn to love, maybe love myself a little more and just deal with the fact that you just can't love people all the time that you work with. I'll try out my new team and I'm sure the food will be great. And if I feel a little bit sad that there's no one around that I'm kind of crazy about, you know, that I'm buddies with, whatever, I just put it into making beautiful food and life moves on. So... I'm not quite sure what the lesson of this is. Probably that it's nice if you have someone working with you or for you or that you work for, that you love. But unfortunately, maybe it doesn't happen so often. So what you have to do and what I will do is just put the love into the work, into the quality of the work, into the beautiful food, into just trying to have joy and peace and serenity as best I can. Now, with all of that on my plate, I actually had to concentrate on the business of making food. You know, people don't realize that when you're a caterer, making food is the easy part. The business of making food is the hard part. The proposals and dealing with the clients and the hundred million phone calls and meetings and tastings. Forget it. It's a lot. But then there's also enormous challenges. So right now, I have two women whose wedding I'm going to be catering this fall. And one of them has a lot of allergies. She's gluten-free. I'm used to that because I'm gluten-free myself and the word has gotten out and I've said so in the press and so people who have celiac or are gluten intolerant, they find me. So I'm used to that. And I make beautiful gluten-free food all the time. Now, most of the gluten-free flour and the gluten-free pasta and all the different things that I make my beautiful meals with will contain either rice or brown rice or corn. Even if it's a quinoa pasta, it's probably quinoa and corn. Or if it's... um, 
was another one. I was like a cassava pasta, but then it was cassava and rice, you know. Anyway, so along comes this bride who's gluten-free, whose wedding I have to cater, and I will. I'm looking forward to it, even if it is quite a large challenge. So she wants food she can eat that's gluten-free, but she's also allergic to corn and rice and sugar. Now that is a deadly combination, let me tell you. So she wants mac and cheese, gluten-free. I got that down big time. But I looked through all of the macaronis, the gluten-free macaronis out there, and all of them either had corn or rice. It was quinoa and rice and something in corn. And so that was a real challenge. I had to research it like a detective scientist. And finally, 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 after going through just about every pasta that Whole Foods had, I found a chickpea gluten-free pasta. And the ingredients are pretty much chickpea and tapioca and I think... Uh, pea paste, not pee pee like you have to go to the bathroom. That's disgusting. That's gross. Sorry, mom. I didn't mean it. Pea like P-E-A. Anyway, it doesn't sound so appealing, does it really? Chickpea and peas and tapioca. But come to find out, it's a great gluten-free macaroni. So now that's half the battle to my gluten-free mac and cheese. But the other problem is I make my mac and cheese by building a roux, which I do with flour and butter. And when I'm doing it gluten-free, I do it with gluten-free flour and butter. A roux is kind of fancy French talk. It means remelting the butter and whisking in the flour and stirring and stirring it until it gets kind of cooked and a little bit nutty, caramelly. And then from that, you whisk in cream or butter or all the things you're going to do with it. The roux shows up in all sorts of New Orleans recipes. Well, that's how I make my mac and cheese. So I would do the gluten-free flour with the butter and make my roux and then start adding all of my flavors, mustard and hot sauce and spices and all kinds of zing and milk and get this gorgeous thick pudding-like roux-based milk and then mix in a ton of cheese. So what's the problem with that, you may ask, for my bride who's allergic to rice and to corn and to gluten? Well, the problem is that all of the gluten-free flours I use either have rice or corn. And so that's a little bit of a problem. So finally, I didn't give up because I'm a Leo. Just had a birthday recently. Thank you very much. I am woman, hear me, Leo Roar. Didn't give up. And what did I come up with? Cassava flour. It's beautiful. Works gorgeously, very much like gluten-free flour. And pretty much the only ingredient is cassava. So that also works probably for the paleo diet, folks. I gotta think. I'll double check on that. So my plan for my incredibly allergy-laden bride is to make a roux with my cassava flour and my butter and get it nice and nutty and then come in with all my flavors that I like, hot sauce, you know, just double-checking, of course, that nothing has corn syrup in it 
and nothing has corn oil in it, that stuff shows up everywhere. And whisking in my mustard and whisking in maybe some cumin and coriander and smoked paprika and garlic and salt and pepper and chili powder and you know all of my gorgeous flavors and then milk and then from there I'm going to throw in a lethal combination of cheese smoked gouda to make it meaty pepper jack to make it spicy monterey jack because why not cheddar because fabulous and then all the leftover cheeses I have I'll even throw in some mozzarella why not mozzarella and after I have this big cheesy pudding then I boil my chickpea pasta with the pea and no corn and no rice and mix it up make a beautiful mac and cheese and chill it now enter the next issue so normally I roll up my mac and cheese and then dip it in beaten egg and then roll that in breadcrumbs. Well, guess what? My gluten-free breadcrumb that I love, you got it, has rice in it. Bummer. And my other gluten-free breadcrumb that I love had corn in it. So there's a few curse words I could give you. I guess the first thing I could do is just roll it in the cassava flour and skip the breadcrumbs. But the crunch of the breadcrumbs is kind of sexy. Now, luckily, just like not all bread, just like bread doesn't have corn and rice, gluten-free breadcrumbs, there are gluten-free breadcrumbs that do not have corn and rice. And if for any reason I cannot find it, which I know I will because I am a Leo, like I said, then all I'll do is toast up some gluten-free bread and make my own breadcrumbs or throw in gluten-free, corn-free, rice-free crackers into the food processor, pulse it a few times, and roll it in that. So I'm going to roll my cassava gluten-free mac and cheese into a ball, dip it in egg, and roll it in my corn-free, rice-free, gluten-free breadcrumbs that either I'll make from bread if I don't find the crumbs, or I'm going to use these gorgeous crackers. So why not? But that took a lot of research. I felt like I was a police officer on a case. I mean, what a challenge. Come on. A gluten-free diet with no rice and no corn and no sugar. Exhausting. Now we get to the dessert. So I would have loved to have given her my Rice Krispie tahini treats because they're gluten-free and sugar-free. I use agave allergic to rice, right? Annoying, I know. So I came up with along those lines of Rice Krispie. I did my research again forever and ever at Whole Foods, and I found two different breakfast cereals. One is a quinoa, quinoa and mixed seed and mixed nut, sort of a granola. And the other is something that looks like a Cheerio, only it's made out of oat and it's gluten-free and it has no corn and no rice. Both will work. So my plan is to kind of, you know, rough chop because I don't want the whole Cheerios, but sort of give it a few chops, maybe one or two pulses in the food processor. So you sort of have half Cheerios or quarter Cheerios. And then I'm going to treat it the same way as my tahini 
Rice Krispie treats. So I will take tahini, gorgeous tahini, and agave, kind of like two parts tahini to one part agave, heat it up and stir it, and then give it a little pinch of salt, get a nice flavor going on. If she wasn't allergic to sugar, I'd throw brown sugar, but she is, so I won't. Take my breakfast cereal, put it in a bowl, toss that with a little bit of salt, and then really grease up a baking pan, because this stuff is sticky, with tons of Pam and parchment paper. Once my agave tahini is cooked, you know, just a few minutes to kind of change the texture. I mix it up with my gluten-free, corn-free, rice-free cereal, press it into the mold, put parchment paper on top, roll over the top with either a heavy can or a rolling pin, and then leave it for a day. And the next day, we'll get perfect little crispies that are gluten-free, corn-free, rice-free. But this took a lot of research. I mean, on the internet first and through all the all the aisles and whole food and looking with magnifying glass at the ingredients. It was a challenging one. I do like a challenge. So in the end, I solved the riddle. A corn-free, rice-free, gluten-free mac and cheese and a corn-free, rice-free, gluten-free, um, not Rice Krispie treat, a non-Rice Krispie treat, basically either an oat crispy or a quinoa crispy. So there you have it. So I'm feeling proud of myself. You know, I get these challenges all the time. We had a bride who was obsessed with Mexican food, but she was one of those people who could not have cilantro. It just tasted like soap in her mouth. And she couldn't have raw onion. That's kind of a deadly combination for someone who wanted all of the food at her wedding to be Mexican. But I think I told you what I did a while ago. But I'll tell you again, because I'm a woman and I'm Jewish, and I like to repeat myself. But we made a chive salsa, basically a salsa, tomato, jalapeno, diced red onion, all the good stuff, lime juice, salt. And then instead of mixing in chopped cilantro, we mixed in thin sliced chives and lots of them. And since cumin was okay for her, not the cilantro, but the cumin was okay. I seasoned it up with some cumin. So that was a beautiful um, situation that solved that problem, except one thing you forgot. The onions couldn't be raw. So the chopped up onions, what we had to do was char them, just diced up the onion fine and charred them on a skillet until they were almost a little bit burnt. So it was kind of a burnt onion chive salsa. It was a beautiful thing. You know what? I'll tell you the truth. It was really friggin' good. But it's like nice to have a challenge, right? So, you know, being on vacation, well, I always feel kind of sad the last day, sometimes the last two days, because I just want more vacation. I'm not ready to go back to the coal mines. And, you know, and then my first day back is always hard. You know, like how Mondays are hard after you have... A, a great weekend. But then I get into my groove. And what helps me get into the groove is overcoming a challenge. You know, when I was younger, a challenge would come my way. And I would look for, I would not always, but I would often look for ways to get around it. Instead of like, instead of going over it, instead of conquering it, 
I would look for ways like, how can I avoid it or go around it? Or, you know, there's got to be some secret, you know, that's like the youth. There's got to be a secret. There's got to be an angle, man. I don't have to climb over this mountain. Surely I can come up with some, some plan to avoid the whole situation, you know. But now I like to conquer the challenge. And it doesn't work to procrastinate. I had a long talk recently about that. That just kind of takes the pain and stretches it out over a longer period of time. You've got to tackle it right away. So I lost my beloved chef, who I adore, and hopefully will come back one day soon. But I didn't put off dealing with it. I just immediately started interviewing over the phone and making calls and jumped on it. And yeah, I'm not going to be as happy, but you never know. Maybe someone will come in that'll dazzle me. Like this sweet young boy that I'm having a fondness for. You know, and it's also a nice thing to bring in young people. Like we're all sort of a geriatric catering company. I think I'm the youngest one in the company presently. And I am certainly up there. Well, let's just say my 50th birthday was not yesterday, okay? Anyway, so it's not a bad thing to bring in some young blood. Plus, I have all this knowledge. Well, I don't want to take it with me. I mean, and if I don't pass it on, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So life is about passing on your knowledge, right? So let's just summarize everything. You know, be nice to people. Be nice to your waiter, your car salesperson. You don't know what Hazarai they're going through. Especially nice to people in restaurants. They're all understaffed, okay? And pass on your knowledge. Don't hog it to yourself. And loving the people you work with is great. But if you don't, you know, just love what you do and love yourself and be nice and it'll come back to you. You know what I mean? All right, that's all a little hokey, but so what? You know what? I was walking around my neighborhood and I live right in New York City in Manhattan in the East Village. Lots of people. And so it can feel like a big city to some people. To me, the East Village feels just like that, like a village. And it's amazing how many people I see that I know. So I was walking down the street, and I hear my name called out. And it's this kind of cool dude I know, um, Israeli guy, and his friend, a beautiful blonde woman who I've met before. And they kind of stopped and chatted for a while. And the, the sexy blonde chick said that she'd been listening to my podcast and especially about the one where I discovered my laundromat was an after-hours disco. And she said she couldn't think of that laundromat the same way anymore after learning that. And it just thrilled me that people that I passed in the street listened to my podcast. And so I was so tickled. I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about you guys on my podcast today. And so there, I just talked about them. Sexy, gorgeous, blonde chick. I love that you're listening. I'm not going to say your name because maybe you don't want me to. Cool dude, Israeli guy. I like that you're listening. And yes, I'll let you buy me a drink anytime because why not, you know? Plus, you're a nice guy. Um, and there, I talked about you on my podcast. And I'll probably see you around the hood sometime soon. So... 
it's getting near that time where I have to kind of say adios, but I've been enjoying talking to you. And you know what? You cheered me up. It was very stressful and sad losing my beloved favorite worker, at least temporarily. And I had to go for a long walk along the water to clear my head. And evidently I had to hire six people to clear my head. But business owners, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Be a small business owner, I guess, or am I a bo- I feel like I'm bigger than small, but I think technically I'm small. I'm a large small business owner. Whatever. Being a small business owner in New York City is not for the faint of heart. Challenges are overwhelming and endless. Tomorrow I have to pay for a whole new hot water boiler just because it decided to stop working. Like every day is another thing and you just have to take a deep breath and push forward. The challenges are huge and endless. You got to think of them as waves and just float over them or swim over them or plow through them or dive over under them and come out the other side. Whatever, you know, metaphor kind of thing you want to do, just do it. Also, I got to see a fabulous friend of mine recently who I've known since high school and I love that we're still friends. Jenny Weber, if you're listening, she's always been Jenny Weber, never just Jenny. I just love seeing you. And what I really love about her is she's got the best vocabulary. I learn a new word every time I, I see her. And what did I, Lydia, my girlfriend, and I learned from her recently? Bloviate. Never heard that word before. She was talking about someone being a bloviator and bloviating. It's sort of like a ragful, blustering kind of thing, I guess. Um, but what a fabulous word. So I think I should sign off. Before I start bloviating, darling, this is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi for raging and eating. I will not bloviate anymore. As always, food is love and so are you.